Welcome to episode 234 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 234 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm all good. Yourself? How are the pins feeling is a better question. Oh, they're not, not too bad. A little bit of uh, quad soreness, but other than that, bouncing back pretty quick. Ready to race again. For those of you who don't know, John obviously did the Auckland Marathon last weekend and uh, we have a bit of an update on that, so uh, we'll talk about that later in the show. But in this week's... Oh, sponsors. Coffeesofhawaii.com. Oh, for the rich aroma. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. John will tell you all about his thoughts on that later on the show. Okay, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got um, an interview with Helen. What's her last name, John? Helene Bidevart. Helene Bidevart, and she's an amazing athlete. And she's the one yeah. extreme endurance she- athlete, isn't she? She is. So she went top 10 in Kona um, and just a, uh, it was good to just hear from one of the athletes. You know, we probably don't talk about a lot, but still when you go top 10 in Kona, especially after a one-hour 13 swim, um, she, it, was, uh, it was a pretty impressive performance. And she's also won Ironman Arizona as well. So fairly short interview, but we'll hear from her. Okay, and then John's going to do a bit of a race report on his marathon that he just completed a couple of days ago. And then we've got a few questions and answers at the end. Okay, news. First of all, proudly brought to you by Xtry. Go to xtry.com, check out the latest news, reviews, and interviews with the stars. But, Jombo, there was one piece of news this week that I don't think anyone avoided. This is brilliant. I mean, I think somebody posted on our Facebook page that WTC do things to help us create content and <laughs> a bit of excitement to our show because I was fired up big time last week. Okay, so the story started off, we started getting emails through, oh, I can't remember what day it was, maybe probably Wednesday or Thursday, saying that they've, angry emails too, like people weren't happy about, I mean it introduced the Ironman access program and the basic thing was that if you wanted to get an early entry to any Ironman race in the world you could pay a thousand dollar one-off fee for a year membership and what that really gave you was the ability to be able to enter any race before the rest of the public got to enter that race there were some other things that came alongside it but they were pretty crap really weren't they Oh man, no, I, I, I was um, I was a bit disappointed because I was ready to hand over my thousand bucks so I could get my <laughs> my, my, my lava magazine subscription and my, my special my special membership card. I mean that was worth a thousand bucks by itself. I mean I don't care about entering early, but yeah, as we've said, it was really was it gave you that a week prior to when general entries opened, so you could uh, enter early. Now their rationale behind this, this is what they came out saying, was they wanted to give the opportunity for the for the people that enter more than one race during the season and they often maybe don't turn up at that race they enter lots of races um, just so they cover all their bases and then those slots don't don't get filled you know they'll, they'll maybe enter five races and do so do one be, or two on Ben Furyk's thing he was saying uh, no I haven't watched it in the last kind of 10 minutes or anything but I seem to recall he was saying there's like 2,500 entries that go to people who enter every race just to go to one race and it's yeah, the, the, name, the uh, numbers seemed a bit inflated to me I completely can see their point. You know, say who knows what the numbers are, but say they have three thousand people entering, and 
250 of them don't turn up because I've entered another race. I can understand that slot's gone missing um, that other people could have done, but I think the argument is incredibly weak. John, before we actually give our opinions, we went on we went on Facebook and uh, we just put on there that, you know, I put up your marathon result one. Uh, what, what do you guys think? They're obviously, uh, the community think about it. And uh, have you got that page up right now, mate? I have, yep. Okay, let's just read through a few of what you guys think. Um, I'll start off with... Uh, uh, David Manley, and he's just saying, assuming you're talking about the queue jumping fast for the well-off, I think it's disgusting. Uh, it's already a rich man's sport, and, but becoming high on and inaccessible for those who aren't very well-off. From Nick, what did I call, what was Nick's uh, nickname? Oh, okay, uh, Nick's nickname. Yeah, Nick Hutton. Um, can't remember anyway. It's a good time to be stepping back from Ironman. When I'm ready to return, I can only hope the sport can regain some of the magic that inspired me to return this time. I welcome the Challenge family to Queenstown, and I hope they are truly successful. Tim Porter, this is going a little bit further down the page. While uh, their races continue to sell out worldwide, they will also continue to find new ways to raking in the dough. They do know their market dem- uh, demographic very well, and they are just trying to ensure that they are getting maximum return on investment for their uh, very best customers. WCC have never wanted to make friends with the masses, just those who have the fattest wallets. Get used to it. Kendall Gray, the point tells me that the business school grads at WTC's private equity firm don't understand their product, probably because they've never done an Ironman. Indeed, they don't know what their real product is. It's not just racing. Uh, uh, Christopher Day, it's a joke. Bring on the rise of the challenges. Oh, nice. And he's one of those people who's actually used the challenge, the thing that Felix released, which we'll talk about later on, as his yeah. Facebook photo now. But both challenge and local race organisers. The sports needs to be about sport. MDOT is about not about sport. Just like Kona, it's about the Mount MDOT. They don't get it. And the last one I'll do, Tony Buckingham. WTC printing money again. <laughs> I'll do one more. Uh, Jim Allpass, great to see the WCC is bowed to the pressure on this. So, so um, your thoughts, John, before we even go on what happened next? I, when I first got the email through, I was very, very fired up and um, and that, that didn't really abate for some time. And then when the and, – and I'd say it must have been about 24 hours later when the, the, the pulling of the program came through, I just thought those stupid idiots. And, uh, and that's really how I still feel about it. I think you know, they can try to say whatever they want about why they, their motivation was to try to help num- more people get into the races. I think that's just a complete load of rubbish. All it was is just a money-grabbing exercise. And I just think they – as a number of people here have said, they – it's, it's just making them look bad, you know, for the potential to make a little bit of extra money there um, just by uh, attract going to the, the top end of the earning market. I think that the price they've paid is just huge for this. And I, I see a number of comments out there as well saying, oh, good on them for, for doing a U-turn. And, and I kind of agree with that. But the, the damage is done. I think they're just, they're just idiots. And it's, um, and it's, it's, it's basically the last, last straw for me. I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I don't know when I'm going to do my next Ironman, but... The only reason I would do a WTC event now would be to qualify for Kona, and I would basically just just not do one full stop because of this. Just it's just they've just gone too far. It's just ridiculous. Well, I think a couple of things for me is, is the first thing is it really exposed their true colours because surely, like if if you, I came to you, John, and I said, look, and we had this community of I am talk was really big, and I came to you and said, oh, look, mate, we could probably make some money out of them if we charged them, you know, the elite listener a thousand bucks. You know, surely mm. one of us would say, come on. You know, that's, that's mm. just ridiculous. And I can't believe that no one in the organisation didn't have the foresight to see the damage this would do. You know, like, 
it just was such an obvious money grab. And you kind of think, surely someone stood up and said, well, maybe there could be a bit of a, you know, a negative side to this. But they were obviously motivated more by the money grab at the end of the day yeah. because they made a decision to make money off the richer people in the sport. And to me, it just to me, it just exposed that this company really is about making money. And yeah. that's kind of sad in a way. I kind of look at it as an abusive relationship. If, if you look at the relationship Ironman has with um, the athletes, it's kind of like the partner who's abuse abuses their um, partner. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll beat up their partner, and you know, and as soon as their partner wants to walk out the door, then suddenly they're you know, oh, I love you, honey. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it. And it's yeah. it's, it's a little bit like that. And and Interesting keep, analogy. Well, and because the partner keeps coming back, they, they keep getting abused. And at the moment, because, you know, in our sport, people, because basically because of Kona, people, I mean, there's such a hold over our sport that they can be That's abusive. my children saying goodbye to me. Bye-bye, children. Bye-bye, children. Have a good day. But, um, <laughs> but because I mean, there's such a hold on our sport, they can be abusive to us consumers. And by being abusive to us, sometimes, you know, they can put out the, the, the video the next day saying, wow, you know, we're sorry, blah, blah, blah. But their history is showing us and, and their record of making decisions is showing us that they really are only looking at us, us as profit. Now, mm. on, on around this time, Felix um, from Challenge put out a great post um, and, uh, and it, was, it was a bit tongue-in-cheek, but he put out a, a little kind of picture saying, uh, Challenge family membership program, membership in a family is always free of charge. And do you know what? WTC... They're in a strong position right now, but challenge is growing. And challenge to me, if you've dealt with Felix and all of our listeners who ever deal with Felix, always talk about how, you know, it's all about the family, it's all about the athlete, and it's all about the experience for the community around that race. Now, sure, challenge don't do everything perfectly either, but in the long term, if WTC really only thinks of us as profit and challenge grows in a way, uh, I really see challenge could eventually take over. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with him taking over, but I definitely think there's a lot of people that feel the same way. Um, I had an email in from a, a pro yesterday saying she's not going to do any um, Ironman races. Um, oh. She's just going to do you – know, there's enough out there now for the pros where they can go and do challenge races, they can go and do the Abu Dhabi race, they can go and do Rev 3, and there's enough other races out there now that they could say, well, you know, the only reason I'd probably do Ironman races is if I want to go to Kona, and if I don't, there's enough out there that I, that I can um, do other things. And that's, if I was um, uh, uh, probably a second-tier pro, third-tier pro, that's exactly how I'd feel about it, um, unless you want to go to Kona. And that, that, is, the, that is the only draw, the, the big draw card they've got is, is Kona. Um, and, and hey, look, I know we criticise WTC and they do a lot of good things. Their races are generally fantastically well run, but they're just doing some really dumbass things and it's making them look stupid. And... Uh, and it's not like it's just a one-off incident. It just keeps on happening, um, well, especially over the last 12 months. It just shows their motivation. That's the thing. It, it, for me, it just shows that they're coming from a place of how can we make as much profit from you? Mm. You know, and, and when you, you know, I'm, I'm going to you know, give the big thumbs up to challenge here. When that day, I spent a couple of days with Felix before a race and, you know, just walking around with him and just kind of seeing what he's doing. He is... Those guys are so there for the athlete, and you know I know. And if you listen to our show, at times we probably do come across as a little bit biased towards challenge, and and at the end of the day, it's because they are in it for the right reason. And mm. oh no, it's, it's just frustrating. 
It is. And uh, haven't really seen any positive uh, feedback, anybody saying, oh, yep, I was going to do this uh, Ironman access things. Uh, it's, it's all negative. I wonder if, if, if there's any listener out there if, who was going to do it, let us know. Um, we're not going to be critical towards you because, you know, whatever. But this, if anyone was going to do it, there's there's definitely people out there that would have done it so uh, you know and there's, there's there are people that, that enter all the races and that dropping you know 600 bucks on a race entry is not a big deal they can then they can make up their minds later on or if they you know if they qualified early on then they obviously don't need to do the other races so there's definitely a market out there for what they were trying to do it's just are you trying to appeal to you know less than 5% of your market, probably more like 1% or 2%, or are you going to look after the other 98%? Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a balls up of mag- um, huge proportions, and I thought that a couple of people sent through the, the, a little video clip, which we'll do a link on. It was on extranormal.com, which is, I think is a way you can sort of make up your own little cartoons and maybe you must be able to insert the text, and it's just a conversation between um, an athlete and, uh, and I think somebody at the WDC, and I think it summed things up very, very well in terms of just completely taking the piss. I think one thing this this whole experience has shown, and we actually got an email through from, wait a second, I'll put it up here, um, Jim Allpras, uh, just um, about Ironman 70.3 Miami, and, uh, and I think it was a pretty horribly run event, <laughs> like um, because the reason was social networking. Um, if you go to the Ironman 70.3 Miami page, it's just been dissed by pretty much every athlete really? who's gone on there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, and this one's a little bit, you know, when it comes to race organisation, there's a lot more to do with the organisation more than the IMM brand. I suppose they obviously have mm-hmm. systems in place to make it more consistent, but uh, yeah, people people are dissing this race pretty badly. But um, it shows the power of social networking, doesn't it? It does, and um, it, it is so much easier to sit back and criticise and, and not praise the things when they go really, really well, um, you just sort of go, "Oh, that was that was great," and 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 I know I'm conscious of that with WTC that we they do some great things, but you know, they, um, they're they're right up there, they're the number one organisation in the sport, and when they do things bad, it's gonna um, it's gonna come up in the, in the news media big time. So uh, hopefully they, you know, they just um, take this as a very very strong message that they need to just think about their customers a bit more than just um, solely focusing on the bottom line. Yeah, totally. John, let's just take a breath. I need to get that off my chest. I've actually been quite looking forward to talking about that since it happened about a week ago because it was just, it was. It was pretty entertaining stuff. And you see it in business a lot. You know, you just see these monumental balls up that companies make when they don't really. Uh, aren't really thinking about their market. They've got uh, they've got their blinkers on, and, and I think that's another case of that. But there are other things going on the world. Oh, in just, the world. just quickly, um, just, um, uh, is it that they are out of touch? And they must be. I mean, but at the same time, they're doing some really good things. You know, like I know there's people criticising their process, the, the new pro card system, and um, and a lot of the pros we've talked to have been critical of it. But I think. Um, you know, there's enough good pro athletes in there that uh, former pro athletes that are that are in there, sort of moulding that. And I, I think they have got reasonably good intentions in that. Obviously, they want to pull the pros into their their um, into that program and sort of force them to do it. But I think on the whole, I think they've got good intentions there. But I don't know. It's just, yeah. Uh, and what's what's odd is that uh, we talk, we say, oh, maybe it is the business grads and they're running the program. But a lot of the people that work at Ironman are um, either ex-pros yep. or they are um, 
been Ironman athletes. Like Ben Furtick, he's always claiming, oh, I'm an Ironman athlete. How could he let this happen? It's yeah. just, that's what's bizarre. It's like you said at the beginning is how could there not be somewhere, somebody in there saying, do you really think this is a good idea? Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. We probably should e- ease off the rant from there. Okay. I'll tell you what, people, John, we're excited. People were excited about your rant, John. I got lots of emails. <laughs> Can't wait for John's rant. <laughs> it was, it was a bit of, uh, if we'd done it the day after it happened, I'll tell you, it would have been, uh, a, <laughs> would few, have been a, few beeps, a few beeps going on. But anyway, um, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was um, a race that I'm quite keen to do one day the American Triple T. They've now got two races in the Triple T. With this, these races, it's basically an Ironman event held over sort of three days. You do like a sprint triathlon and the next day you do a couple of Olympics and then the last day you do um, a half on. Um, yeah, they've got, they've got two triple T's now. This one was a, is the sort of second of them, which is held over in Ohio. And I think I've got the right results here. The results are a bit all over the place because you can either race as an individual or you can race as a team. So apologies if I get this wrong. And if people know the, the 100% correct results, um, by all means, five and through to us. But uh, John Kerry um, took it out in 9.28 from Steve Johnson in 9.47 and Cliff Warden Rogers in 9.52. And what was interesting on the female side of things, uh, hopefully I got this right, was Sherry Fraser, who was like in the Super Vets category or something like that, wow. took it out in 11.46 from Patty Wabo. Baden in 12.16 and Cheryl Cheney in 12.20. So really cool race. Um, usually, I usually always hear really good feedback from people that do it and just something a bit different and, and really puts you outside of your, your comfort zone because you're, you know, you're racing back to back and, you, and you're, you're arriving at you know, your second or third race and you've already got quite a bit of fatigue in the legs and you've got to pick yourself up off the canvas and, um, and, and pace yourself well knowing that you've got a half Ironman on the third day, on the second day as well. Nice. Uh, and you also had the Ibiza World Distance ITU Series. Now, I had those results up. Now, where are they? Here we go. Elite Men. Stephen, it was the, the Bayless Show. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure. It's, I, I haven't heard a lot about this series, but it's on the ITU website, and it's called the Ibiza uh, ITU Long Distance Triathlon World Series event. So, by the, the nature of the name saying it's a series, I'd imagine the ITU are now trying to set up a bit of a, a series. It looks like the distances, um, Stephen Bayliss won it in 51-minute swim, 3.14 on the bike and a 158 on the run. So I'm picking it's probably a 4K swim, probably 120K on the bike and probably 30K run. Um, second place was Peru Alfano San Ilfonso from Spain and David Castro in third um, and then on the girls side of things Bella Bayless took it out but there really wasn't anybody else there she took it out she was 7.13 and Kirsten Lee was 7.40 and Salata Castro was third and 7.58 so be interesting to see um, how ITU go with this if they're really serious about trying to set up a long distance series again money will talk yeah uh, so coming out this weekend we've got Silverman which is an iconic race nearly 10,000 feet of climbing on the bike uh, this is this is one of those races. It's in Vegas, isn't it? One of those races that is just yep. an iconic race on on the calendar, and uh, you hear some epic stories of it, don't you? They do, and it's not just a bike that's hard. It's a, the swim that's hard as well. Not the, not the swim, the um, the, the run. runs hard as well. Pretty hilly. Uh, so yeah, just if you're looking for another another cool course, and it's it's good when you have these sort of fairly late season races. If you are, you know. Um, 
in the in North America. It means you can really spend a long time building up for a race. Um, you can uh, you can use the early part of spring when the weather's improving, maybe to focus on your biking a bit more instead of really trying to pick it up in winter. Which if you're doing say a, a quarter lane or an early season Ironman, you know you do have to start your biking in winter. Um, but with these late ones, you can start it late and 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 just and build into the season really nicely. So it's um it's a good size race now. You know they probably started I guess about maybe three, four years ago. Um, they've also got a half option and they've got about 280 people doing a full, so not huge there. But then they've got 700 and a half plus as teams. So when you, as soon as you're getting over 1,000 people in an event, you know, it's going to have a good vibe to it. It's going to have some good spectators and, and we always hear good feedback from it. Mac has gone and done it a couple of times, the half when he went raced against Dave Scott there. Um, and of course, they used to have the team competition. So they still have the teams there, but they used to have that teams race where you what, won a, was 100,000 bucks if you broke eight hours and Yep. Nobody quite managed to get there. Uh, I'm in Florida. Is that this weekend? It is. Wow. But uh, as per usual, there's um, no information on the pros racing. They did have an alphabetical start list, which I just scanned through just trying to see if there was any pros in there, but I couldn't see um, anybody of um, huge proportions racing. My pick for the win, though, I saw his name down there, is Sergio Marx, who won, uh, or it might be Marquez. He won, I think it was either... I think it was Ironman France, and he smoked a route run, ran like a 2.42. So I'm picking that he's a fast runner. It's a runner's course, and so he's my pick for the win if he rocks up. But, yeah, again, a shame that they, they don't aren't promoting their pro fields. Um, it's just, yeah, chuck all the information up there, no sort of build-up, no hype. Might be something in the last couple of days, but, you know, we're in, inside five or six days to go. So I think that's one of the, the legacies of that Macker interview that you did. You know, he's saying, you know, why can't – people be reporting on these races better and it's just information's just not out there. How does it, how does it put a list together, uh, you know, in a spreadsheet of the pros? Mm, you it's know, not hard it's, at it's all. It's a 10-minute job. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's good coverage for their race. You know, we'll be talking about it. I mean, I know we're not the biggest thing in the world, but other publications, if you, if you send out press releases, you know, all these online um, websites which just, um, you know, work off feeds and stuff, they'll produce it. And it's just free coverage for your sponsors. And um, in the end, it's just a win-win situation for everybody for, you know, getting, some, getting a media advisor just to write a quick press release, boom, you're away, and um, good PR for everybody. Some other news we've got, we've got uh, Caroline Stephens back racing, winning the Noosa uh, triathlon, and Casey Telkins came in ninth. And that's pretty impressive because um, they were racing against some good athletes, so Caroline Stephen, you know, it's only been a few weeks since Kona, and um, she beat some fairly good ITU girls, you know, Nikki Samuels from New Zealand was third, and she's, um, oh, she's not a world rock star, she's a pretty solid athlete, and so when you've got, you've had Kona in your legs a couple of weeks before, to rock up and do that, it's pretty impressive, she only just hung on a girl, I think got within like, five or six seconds of her on the, on the run. And um, Pete Jacobs as well, you know, coming off that storming Kona, Kona run, um, he finished in ninth place, and the guys' field is very, very competitive. You had guys like Courtney Atkinson and uh, Chris Gemmel racing, and sure, he was a couple of minutes behind those guys, but different different um, scheme of racing. And it's not a drafting race, although I'd imagine it was probably loose drafting. Um, so good on him. Um, I reckon we should get him on the show. We haven't had him on the show for a while. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we should yeah no, last time would have been would have yeah, been roasted in 2008. Get him to email us. I mean, he probably listens because I know he listens sometimes. So, uh, Pete, email mm. us and we'll get you on the show. Okay, well, obviously with Kona, now with the change in the pros getting to Kona and all the rest of it, Arizona Field has suddenly become like the second best race of the year. <laughs> 
and and it's because I think it's got good points. It's not really they're not chasing the money. Um, but yeah, when I, I did the interview with Helene Bedevart uh, just at the end there, she sort of said who was racing and like I, I believe Chrissy's racing, Rasmus Henning's racing, um, and really yeah, and. Lindsay Corbin, I think, and, and several of the other top girls. So it's um, it's going to be fascinating for me to see if they're just going to go through the motions and just tick the box and just race fairly conservatively and just get the job done, or whether they'll actually go out there and race. I'm sure they're not. They won't just go around and do like a you know ten hour Ironman for the guys or something. They'll be. Um, I'm just interested to see if they really push the pace or if they just sort of settle for you know maybe like a fifth or sixth or something like that just because they've got to do it. So. You know, really looking forward to seeing how that goes but the, the, the thing that's working for them you know it's WTC um, that they want the, the pros racing more often they want them going to head to head and it, it will start happening which is um, which is exciting for us well I suppose the thing is how well do you have to do I can't remember exactly how the point system worked but if you're doing let's say Henning pulls off the seventh in this race he just has an easy day and, you know goes through the motion um, and he did, what did he get in Kona he got he didn't do that well well it did no, it's more for the athletes that, say, got a top 10 in Kona because that's going to have such high points rank and rankings. Um, they, they, I'd imagine they just have to do one other Ironman just to basically verify their selection because they'll get so many points from that first one. They might have to do a 70.3 or um, something as well, but it's more not so much um, how many points they can get. It's more that they've just got to do an Ironman. Um, and if you get a top 10 in Kona, there's so many points there, I think that would almost be enough but to get you in. Someone like Henning who didn't get a top 10, Oh, it's important for him. Yeah, so he's obviously he probably will go for the win. Mm, yep, definitely. Um, he, you know, he, he he will have to do that, and he'll probably have to do some seventy point threes as well. I would imagine to get enough points because he will have got Jack all for wherever he finished in Kona. What I can't even remember it was it was it was nowhere though. So, um, yeah, no, for those guys is important. Okay, our sponsor. Oh, hold on. Um, and just oh. a bit of, uh, we had lots of feedback on your Macca interview, Bevan, and I had to listen to it, and it was um, very outstanding job. So well done on keep, for keeping him on the phone for an hour 10. It did, did seem to, to fly by fairly quickly. Okay. Um, and I just think that you know some of his comments were really good, and, and I think he, he gave us a bit of not us, he just gave the media in general a hard time for not necessarily reporting on races quite so, as well as we should. And, and it's just, it's, it's hard when you, obviously we can't go to races and stuff and you really are just relying on the splits that you see and that does only tell half the story. You know, it doesn't tell if somebody was um, eight minutes up on the bike and then blew up. Like say, if you looked at the Taupo results when Terenzo was racing Cam, that really didn't tell the story of the race. And yeah. That's really what we've got to rely on. And, and I don't really consider us to be reporters as such. Um, and, uh, and when you read the race reports, you, you could almost write those, um, into those, those stories generally off just reading the race interviews, uh, race results. So hopefully that'll improve in time. But I think one of the main things I'd say about it is he wondered why the history isn't sort of documented quite so well in triathlon when you compare it to say other sports and I just think it's the nature of the sport it's a transient sport you know how many people do you know and, and you haven't been in the sport that long that were doing the sport when you started that are still in it and, yeah. and I started in 1991 and I can tell you that I could probably count on almost two uh, probably probably if I had four hands I could probably count the number of people that are still active that, that I used to train with um, or that were sort of around in the same time that I started it's it's like that. You come. A lot of people just come and do the sport for a bit, 
and then they're out of here and, and carry on, maybe go off and do have a family, and they probably don't really follow the sport very much. Whereas if it's a, a sport, you know that you do at school, you maybe you play rugby at school, and you you do a little bit at, at once you finish school, you probably stay a lot more connected to that. Say if you're New Zealand, and you will maybe follow the All Blacks or you follow your local team, but in triathlon, it's just such a transient sport. I think that's one of the reasons why we we lack that history and documentation and, and big following of the sport for people outside the, the sort of active triathlon community. But also, there seems to be no resource, you know what I mean? Like, there's no kind of really wicked website that's got, you know, there's people who have half-heartedly done it and it hasn't really come through. But, um, you know, like, you know what I mean? There's just no one, one place we can go where it's just like, wow, you can see some of the great films. And I know you can kind of go on YouTube and get lost and find things here and there, but... Uh, I, like I imagine people who when they get into the experience are interested in the history of it and I know we obviously all hear about the, the Iron War and you know the, the you know the Julie Moss and all that kind of stuff but yeah yeah that's interesting that there is no and that's thought. also because you've got a couple of different factions there. So if you go to the ITU website, you know, you'll be able to pull up all the results back to um nineteen whatever until I start doing electronic results probably you probably pull up just about every result of world champs I've ever had since 1991 but that's just Olympic distance um, and then a few you know for, for Ironman um, yeah they need to sharpen up on their website and, and have some really good history content there but everything else is so fractured and this you know yeah. private organizations most national bodies are not that well organized and and you know like a I can just go put on a race, don't have to have it sanctioned or anything like that, and that's the same in most countries. So, yeah, it's just it's it, it's a very free sport, and people just sort of do what they want and then move on to the next challenge. I think so, one thing overall, that's kind of cool about what we do is that you know, like you know, like we'll be around for a long time, and so like people will go back and listen to the Macker interviews and the Chrissy interviews, and you know, and that will it kind of leaves something back from when they were there in that moment. And, uh, you know, that's kind of cool as well because I know I've listened to a few of the competitor radio interviews from, you know... Oh, yeah. You know, to the guys after they won Conan, you know, from 10 years ago or something like that. And, you know, it's really cool here listening to them in that moment. Like the interview we did last week with Macca, you know, 10 years from now, that's still going to be a good interview. So, you know, because it was really... It's really from that moment, that kind of snapshot in time. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Sure, it's going to get better. The electronic age is going to make um, document keeping a whole lot easier. Okay, then sponsor... The new Coffees of Hawaii deal, Bevan, isn't there? Have we got a deal for you, John? <laughs> That's right. If you can go to our web, are you going to update the website um, while you're away there, Bevan? Yeah, I will because I'm a good boy. Good. So there's a new Coffees of Hawaii deal. And if you go onto our website and if you click on the Coffees of Hawaii logo, which will be changing, Bevan will be changing it uh, coming up. And the special deal was, Bevan? Uh, I haven't got it in front of me, John, so you have to, I can't remember it. Um, <laughs> I'm almost. Are you, have you got the same problem? <laughs> so, such professionals. Here we are. I'm just pulling it up there. right now. But it's basically, I'm, uh, I'm sure it is. Buy one bag, <laughs> buy buy some coffee, and you get a bag free. Something like, that. hold on, Albert. I'm I'm going to pull it up right now. Oh, but you tell us about what's happening in Auckland, Bevan. Oh, I tell you what. I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, it's pretty exciting in Auckland. Uh, been doing some now, work. Were you, what, were you, did you watch my race? No, I didn't. I was going to come along. And oh, you were in Auckland and you didn't come down to watch <laughs> I my race. I couldn't be bothered getting out of bed. Oh, I've been working out. No, I, I actually had to be at work at nine, and, uh, and so it just wasn't working out. I was finished at 8.40 yeah. 
848 or something like that. Yeah, bugger. So, yeah, <laughs> could have spurred me on. I got, do you know what? I got past in the 3K to go, and if you'd been there, I reckon I would have been able to hang on to my placing. Oh, no, because I wouldn't have been there at 3K to go. I might have been there yeah. with 100 metres to go. Yeah, so, right. Probably not. Free bag oh, of 100%. Kona Coffee for orders over $40. Oh, well, that's great Shop deal. now. So Bell was coming up with a nice little logo there for us to put on our website. It's got a nice coffee cup full of beans and a nice blue, what is that on the side there? Kona Nightingale Coffee. So that's a good deal. They're constantly coming out with deals. Spend over 40 bucks. Don't need to buy too much for that. Just get a, get a couple of cups if you've ordered a lot of coffee and then you'll get a free bag for free. And it's coming up to Christmas, Bevan. Hey. And it's time to get some stuff. And you know, I like coffee for men. That's right. So there we go. You do. You give it, you give it to your dad. So go onto imtalk.me. You see the logo there. Um, click through. But basically, the deal is you spend over 40 bucks and you get a bag of 100% Kona coffee free of charge. Okay. okay. And make sure you also tell your friends about the deal because it's a bloody good deal. Make sure you go to imtalk.me and get your coffees of Hawaii. <laughs> The promo code is IM8 at checkout to ensure free bag. Special conditions apply, excludes shipping costs. Promo code applied will appear in the checkout when code is entered. Oh, John, you sound like one of those American drug ads. Um, okay. Okay, hot topic of the week. So last week we talked about um, which are the best non-triathlon races around the world, John. I can't pull up athletes right now because it slows down Skype. So um, just want to talk me through it. Yeah, I mean, we had quite a few, a few we've talked about. Um some guys said, you know, Tour de France, um, the huge stages where they have, uh, you know, um, big mountain spectaculars. But that's, you know, obviously something that, that people, you know, the regular Joe Blogs can't go and do the Tour de France. Um, Roland Shooter, um, he was sort of saying which ones are more, um, which, which can be accessible by the public. You've got the, the Marmot, which is um, always held down the Alps. So if you ever want to fit, get a feel for the Tour de France, um, they have Le Tap and they have Marmot. And I'm not sure if they do them on alternate years, but it's basically you can go and ride at the stage of the Tour de France um, before they go over and they're huge shootings. They have thousands and thousands of people. So it's pretty, pretty full on and you need to be pretty competent and very, very competitive. Um, you still get your recreational people out there, but at the sharp end of the field, you know, there's some fairly serious people there. So I've had friends do it who have been really good cyclists and they've finished, you know, like one that thousandth or something like that, even though they're in good shape. So check that out. He's also got this uh, the Saint Col Challenge, which is 100 coals in 10 days. Wow. The Perry Bay Sportif, that'd be pretty cool, 250Ks. The David Lloyd Mega, Change, Mega Challenge, hardest one-stage one-day Sportif in the UK. Um, he's got the Tour de Divide, so he's got lots of different um, bike races in there. Um, Steve Mick. Medium. Um, three of us swam the English Channel in 2009. That was tough, but not as physically tough as I am, but definitely a mental tougher challenge because you actually think you might die, not just feeling it. Yeah, um, that's I, true. He did go off and do Switzerland, and next year he's going to do Rote. He's another cool challenge he knows about is the Arc to Arc, a challenge um, where you run from Marble Arch in London to Dover which is 90 miles swim the channel which is 30 miles and then cycle Calais to Arc de Triomphe which is 190 miles he's planning on doing that in 2012 um, 
Mar- uh, Kevin Lindquit said, Marathon de Sable is pretty intense. The heat, the distance, and the fact you are unsupported. Yeah, um, let's just cool. see if there's any other ones in there. Um, that's about all we had in there. The ones I had down here, um, and I think somebody else did have in there, was uh, the ride across America. Um, if you ever want to see that, see a bit more about that, we had that reviewed that um, DVD, which is actually on our, our website. If you go to the the store page, um, you can find out about it. Now, what was it? What was it called again? Bicycle Dreams, yep, you can buy that off our website, just takes you through to Amazon, so that's a pretty extreme challenge. For Kiwis, obviously we've got the Coast to Coast, which I think is um, is pretty iconic in terms of um, doing a sort of point-to-point race. Guys, I mentioned the Marathon de Saab, um, also Comrades is sort of yeah. in a similar vein to that. Um, one that other people haven't mentioned is um, the Cape Epic, which again is in South Africa. It's a multi-day mountain bike race fills up every year um, and you do it in teams of two so you sort of got to ride it with a buddy but I've heard, heard guys have done that and just said it's just incredible um, and then then you've got your classic sort of 100 mile races as well like Leadville um, the the North Face run so there's, there's quite a few of those sort of iconic ones out there um, and I, interestingly I also had um, a, a reporter come around here the other day and do an interview with me and on her business card or her website which is was somewhere sitting in front of me um, she said she, she, her website is like the Flying Nomad and I said what, what's with that and she rode across like Mongolia or something like that um, she said it was just incredible um, basically a horse trekking sort of adventure but it's, wow. it's still a race and I said I bet that was pretty sore on your behind it was like eight days in a row of riding basically all day um, so that sounded like another sort of interesting iconic um, event so thanks everybody for contributing so what about you John are there any races that you know you kind of look at and think wow it'd be cool to do which is those ones that I mentioned there, but I, as I said earlier in the show, one that, that really appeals to me is doing like the American Triple T. I think that really appeals to me. Um, I'm not really focused, not really excited about doing these these ultra marathons. Um, I'd rather do things one day events. Um, so that doesn't really appeal to me. The, the, the Ram doesn't appeal to me. Coast to coast one day, I'd like to, to give that a crack. But yeah, what appeals to me is going as fast as I possibly can for one day at a time. And if there's other events out there like that, then, then that appeals to me. And that's why Ironman appeals to me. You can get it over and done with, not into sleep, sleep deprivation. What about you? Oh, I have to admit, the sleep deprivation thing does interest me. Uh, like something like doing like um, something traverse or something like that. Be kind of cool, and, and admittedly, mate of mine did comrades, and he said it was just phenomenal. He said um, you pretty much have packed roads the whole run, <laughs> so uh, mm. like that would be a cool experience. That'd be one, and I don't know if I want to do ram by myself. Um, that'd be just a pretty huge life commitment. But I know a few people have done it in a team, like teams of four, and uh, I think that'd be kind of cool thing to do with a couple mm. mates. You know what I mean? As an, as an experience, you know, because if you're doing it in a team of four. The training for us kind of Ironman athletes is well achievable, and so mm. it'd be a cool way to experience, you know, to get across America and have a really wicked experience, you know, with, with your mates, which I'm sure would create a bit of a lifetime bond, so I think something like that would be real fun. So for me, something like that would probably be the key. It'd either be, nice. it'd either be something where I could do with my mates and have like a really cool life experience with some friends, or go to somewhere that's just phenomenal and you get to experience a different kind of world that you're not used to. 
Nice. Cool. Oh, well, Daddy Diff sent through an email, and, he, and, it, and it's kind of topical to IM right now, and he's basically saying he's got a mate who's done 26 Ironman races, and he's never got a spot to Kona. Here's a thought about that. If you have completed five Ironman races, you get five entries into the lottery. 25 gets you 25. Would that, re- that would reward the loyal subjects. Or if you've done 20 to 25, you get an automatic slot, a reward program if you like. Just a thought. So he wants to know... What do I, and we have talked about this in the past, but it is it is kind of top of core game right now. What's what do you guys think about rewarding the athletes who have done, let's say, ten plus Ironman? Hmm. And so basically, I don't know. Let's maybe put a sign on this: almost getting rid of the the, the lottery program or downscaling it, and just replacing that amount of slots with the sort of reward program. So I think we're anybody's insinuating that you'd have a huge program, but maybe. Um, come up with some sort of formula where say I don't know a hundred people a year get to go in through some sort of lottery program which is which is a loyalty program rather than paying any money in there the thing is hey save your comments I just want to say this one thing oh no I'll save it save it I had to fight hard to save it but John I had to good okay let's let's do coach's corner you say coach's corner because we're not doing music this week Coaches Corner. Great, love your work. Okay then, um, so John, last weekend you did the Auckland Marathon. Um, it yep. was a pretty good day for running, wasn't it? It was exceptionally good day for running. I arrived the day before and it was a bit breezy and I thought, oh, I hope it's not windy because it's quite an exposed course and um, the, and especially the last sort of uh, 20k is, is pretty exposed. You're basically running along the, the waterfront. But yeah, you could not have asked more. It's pretty chilly to start with, even from a, for a Christchurch stage. You know, you, you kept your jacket on right till the last sort of minute that you could. Um, it would have been, I don't know, maybe 12 degrees centigrade and then sort of warming up to, I guess, about sort of 15-ish. So that's sort of what my watch was telling me. What time did you have to get up? Because the race started at 6 and you had to catch your ferry oh, across. It was- Really, I was up at three thirty because you had you know six ten start. Got up at three thirty and then chowed down my breakfast and um, staying with a mate. And he and we went down to the ferry at um, about twenty past four and got the ferry at four forty. So you got it only takes ten fifteen minutes to get over there. So you're there from sort of five ish just after. Um, but really, really well organised event on on the whole. I've got a couple of comments on it, but. Um, Basically, the goal was to go there and break 2.40 um, and did that, which I was, was really pleased with. It went 2 hours 38.33 and I seem to be fluctuating between whether I got 10th or 11th place. It's currently sitting at 11th. I, when I was running along the last, um, in the last, I don't know, maybe six or seven k's to go, somebody um, yelled out, you're in 10th place. And I went, oh, that's not too bad. Um, and then a guy passed me with 3k to go as I was having my final walk stage. And uh, and so I, th- I think I was 11th. But then on the results, we got home and it said I was 10th. And now I've dropped back to 11th. So I think it's 11th. Um, but anyway, it went pretty well. Awesome um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, really pleased. Did the goal, but know that there's a lot more in me. You know, it's like... I've done it on fairly fairly limited training and not trying to sound big-headed or anything. I should be able to run about a 235, yep. but, you know, this is, this is certainly the goal that I wanted to do, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, ran a really even split. Um, the K markers weren't quite right. My, the, the results split, so I went out in about 118.45, I think. I actually clocked it just over one, just over 119, which means it was basically a, a, almost an exactly even split. So I was really pleased with that. Certainly the effort um, did not feel like an even split, as you would expect. It basically was building, building effort all the way through. But it really just felt the way I expected Christchurch to feel, you know, not particularly hard during the first half, you know, 
firm pace, but certainly in control and then got progressively harder as you would expect and just trying to maintain onto that that sort of um, pace. And um, one thing that did freak me out a bit was the first 3K where I went out a bit easy and I didn't see the 1K mark, I didn't see the 2K mark, got to 3K. And I was like about 15 seconds behind the pace where I wanted to be. I went, oh, crap. So then um, pushed the pace a bit and, and ended up going through 10K in about 37.10, so, which was about right. I, I needed to be going just a little bit under 38, so it was probably about 40 seconds up. And average pace overall was 345, 3 minute 45K pace. Um, for me, I found I ran really well from sort of the 23K mark to, to 32 and um, – Basically, up to halfway, didn't pass anybody in the race. You know, once it had been that initial sorting yep. out of the field, didn't pass anybody in that sort of period. But then from 23K to 32K, I passed about four to five guys um, as, as you, know, you sort of come up to the wall and people seem to be blowing um, fairly big time. So it would have gone from you know, around about 15th up to 10th in that period. And then um, the last 10K did it in – yes, Tommy – Okay, bye-bye, Thomas. <laughs> Thomas is off to farm park today. He's quite excited about it. Fair enough. It's preschool. Um, like to the last 10K in 38 minutes, but it was um, 38 flat, basically, so I was struggling a bit there. Um, and so overall, I was really pleased with the pacing. Um, a lot of people have asked about the run-walk, and I did do the run-walk. Um, so I was basically running 3Ks and then walking 20 seconds. Um, fairly well, what, what way did you go with that strategy? Um, well, ideally, I think that the whole thing with the run walk is you probably should be walking it a little bit longer than that. <clears throat> but if I walked, if I'd walk any longer than that, I would just have to run too fast, and I wouldn't be able to recoup that time. Yeah. So that, that, but I still found that with a twenty-second walk, um, my heart rate would still dip, you know, up to fifteen beats in twenty seconds. And how I found it pan out during the race is, um, I did feel good for the first. 25 k's or so, you know, when after I'd had that little walk, um, I did feel feel good. And a couple of people that were running around me at the time were like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and uh, but I, I did feel quite good. It, it, uh, comments you often get back from people is you th- they think it breaks your rhythm. Um, I certainly didn't find it broke my rhythm, but it obviously means you do have to run a bit quicker in the k's in between your walking. So you know, my average pace was 3:45s, um, but I was probably running more like 3:40 around about three minute 40k pace because I had to make up for that walking so what where I found it I'm not convinced if it worked it was at the end like at the 34k mark and a 39k mark when you my legs were just in a a whole heap of trouble um to do that walk I mean sure I was looking forward to doing the walk but I didn't feel like I was actually getting much recovery and it was a bit of a struggle to get going not so much the rhythm just because I had those dead legs um And so overall, with the whole run-walk thing, for me, um, (laughs) wake up, wake up. Um, My my gut feeling was that it was indifferent. You know, I think if I'd um, done the run-walk or just run it, I think I probably would have ended up with the same result. That's what my gut sort of feeling is telling. Very, very hard to tell because I'm inexperienced at it so far. But it's quite a bit easier if I'd had to run at 345k pace Throughout, rather than having to run at three forty with the little little rest there. So, so, you, yeah. so you're saying you actually think it was a little bit harder doing it this way? No, I think it was indifferent. 
So I oh, think okay. um, I think I probably would have got the same result. If I want to go any quicker, I think the walking is going to um, is going to make it even even more challenging. If I want to get down to that sort of two thirty five mark, so not not quite sure yet. But I mean, hey, it's only the first time I've tried on a race situation, so still quite a bit of experimenting to go. Um, I know people are often interested to find out what. Um, how we fuel things for me my fueling went like this I fueled uh, with a high five gel at the 9k 18k and 27k mark um, and every aid station which were every 4k was basically um, generally taking on sports drink and then um, water maybe like going sports drink sports drink and then water it was really making sure I was keeping myself cool with water at, the, at every aid station even though it wasn't that hot still trying to keep my temperature down yep. and then from 27k on um, I was basically taking coke at every aid station as well and slowing down to make sure I actually did get a bit in. But overall, um, the race, you know, you, you the Adidas Auckland Marathon. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, well, I was really pleased. I, I put it on par with, say, what I did in Rote. You know, when I did 8.51, um, I thought, you know, good result. The weather conditions being a bit better, I would have gone a bit quicker. But I thought, think deep down, you know, a, a, an awesome race would have been uh, like an 8.40 if I'd run really well. Same sort of scenario here. Goal was to break 2.40. Stoked I did that, um, but know that I, there is a bit more in me. You know, this this wasn't the dream scenario. I'd say if I'd gone about two thirty six, I would have said that, that would have been for that day with the amount of training I did. That would have been about as good as I could have done. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, the, the thing is, regrets, no regrets whatsoever. I ran as hard as I could. I was absolutely smoked at the finish, paced it well, and just really pleased the whole process for me worked well you know the build up worked well and I came into form at the right time and um, and, and just ran a good race and it was how I expected the race to sort of pan out I, th- I, I thought when I went through halfway I thought I might be able to do a 2.37 um, but it, it is a bit hard that last 10k yeah yeah totally and so I suppose the thing for you is to pull off a 2.36 if you're saying it was a perfect day what in the last 10k you could just go for it then because you're feeling fresh yeah, you're, and, you're and pace so much, aren't you? It is. So I think, um, yeah, potentially maybe going out a little bit harder um, and just taking a bit of a risk. But I just wanted to tick this off, so yeah. I'd, I'd have the confidence to maybe to do that next time because it did does feel very very comfortable through the first half. But overall, the race really well organised. Um, it is quite a scenic race and really cool how you go over the Harbour Bridge. But people ask me about that. What was it like going over the Harbour Bridge? And I didn't really look that much to be honest. I was pretty focused on what I was doing. But cool course how you've got um, hills at the start and then and then flat um, to finish. And I certainly wouldn't want it the other way around. So I don't think the hills really slow you down that much. They're not that steep. Um, and it's nice having some downhills early in the run as well. Um, the one big criticism I've got of the race is um, really bad K markers. And, and this is this is often consistent across a lot of races. Uh, I mean, I didn't, uh, on my watch, I think I've got 20 splits out of 42, um, and that's oh, really? because I didn't see the other splits, the other the other signs, and they often weren't that accurate, just by like, I don't know, 1K I did like a 315, and then the next K was like a 415, yeah. um, and they were quite high up, quite hard to see, they weren't like at eye level, so that was my probably my one criticism of the race, and I, because I was running, my focus was to run to a pace, it was not distressing, but it was just a bit frustrating because yeah. I was, you know, I had to run a lot more to feeling, and I was, I was quite a scientific approach I wanted to take, so that was a bit frustrating. Um, and the one other frustrating thing I had at the start was the chicks and their pacing. Like, I knew the, the time that I was on, and I thought. You know, I'm actually ahead of schedule here early on in the first 10k, and I was looking at the, the, the girls that I had. I was basically running with the lead girl, um, and she was just sort of sitting behind me, and I had the motorbikes and everything around me. And I'm like, 
you're not going to go this far. You're not going to go at 237, 238. What are you doing? And I was exactly right. Her split was, you know, she went through halfway in 120 and, and then did a five-minute positive split. And I was, I was just, and, and that was the same with the other girls. One girl I didn't catch till like 4K into the run. She must have gone out in like 335s and, and then she did like a 252 or something. And I was just... That, I just found that a bit interesting, and and one guy when I was riding running along, he he was riding on his bike and he said, uh, "You're 100 meters in the first check in front of the first check, and that's all that matters." Found that pretty amusing. Um, and the final comment I was just going to make was, um, if people are interested to know the sort of training I did for it. Um, the last sort of, uh, I don't know, six or seven weeks, all I was doing is basically about six to eight hours of running a week. I wasn't doing any swimming, any biking, anything else. So it was pretty low volume training, a reasonable amount of running, but overall pretty low volume. So my, my general fitness was not as high as I'd like. And really my week focused around three key sessions. Um, the first one um, would be my long run, which would have um, a good amount of marathon pace work in it. So it might be, say, a two to three hour run. And the first hour, to maybe even up to two hours would be in the hills and then the last hour would generally be at marathon pace either just an hour straight at marathon pace or broken into 20, 30 minute reps but that was a really important um, session for me to run at marathon pace, get used to it and get used to doing it with tired legs and I think that's a really critical session for people out there if they're they're pretty serious about their marathon running. The other session I'd do would be an an interval based session where I'd do reps of um, typically 1k reps and the key there is people often go out and they they see reps and they just want to absolutely bury it Um, but I'd do a lot of my reps at you know maybe sort of 10k pace Um, so you know I'm sort of going through and maybe 325, something like that. So it's a firm pace, um, but it's not ridiculous, and I'd build my way into it. So, for example, I might have done, say, eight times 1K, and I might have started at, you know, like just over three-minute 30K pace, so 330, 335, and I'd maybe build down to, say, uh, a 320 or something like that for the last one, which is a firm pace, but it's not absolutely killing it where often people try to go and just absolutely bury themselves in interval sessions and so that was probably my second key session and my third key session was not a taxing session but a leg speed workout um, so I typically do just say one hour run and I'd go to a grass track that we've got down the road and when I'm there I'd do say 12 200s or 24 200s going one fast one easy and my fast pace um, if you look at like the Jack Daniels formula is like a, a sort of interval pace so for me I'd be running on a, on a windy grass track I'd be doing my um, 200s and maybe around about sort of 37 seconds so it's pretty pretty firm pace um, but with really good leg speed and really good form and that was basically my week the rest of my running would just be 50 to 60 minute steady runs nice well we love your work man yeah. I, was, I was happy, happy to see you got there I was like good yeah, so it was it was all good, but it was, and a special thanks of, you know, there's quite a few supporters out there giving me a bit of encouragement, and especially, um, I think I'll get his pronunciation right, Krishindu, I think it is, um, he's, he's emailed the show a bit, he finished his half, yep, that's it, he finished his half just as I finished my full, he was like, he finished and he goes, oh, John should be finishing about now, and I did come across the line just like a, maybe a minute or two later, and uh, I was, it was fair to say I was in it, I was in it. I was in a world of pain, and uh, he sort of helped me through the the finish area, which was most appreciated. Best thing he did was he took my racing chip off my shoe because I really didn't want to bend down and do that. So appreciate your help. <laughs> love his, love his work. Okay, then yeah. uh, sponsor. Do you actually want to do the sponsor that's quite applicable right now, John? That's right. 
So Athlete. Oh, extreme endurance. Yeah, yeah extreme endurance. Yeah. Like, you have been using extreme endurance leading up to the marathon and and uh, your thoughts. Yeah, so and I've also we interview um uh, Helene Bedevart, which we'll probably put on um, next about ten, fifteen minute interview, and and she experiences similar things to me. Is that um, very, very hard to tell um, whether anything works in training? And I'd like to think that my periodization worked well, and I trained hard, and that's why I got a good result. And when you're taking supplements and what have you, um, you know, it's it's hard to tell what they're doing for you or whether it's a training. But one thing I would definitely say about extreme endurance is my recovery seems to be significantly better. I was finding that with the training, you know. The three-hour runs, etc., were not taking even near as much out of me in terms of a muscular fatigue um, uh, and muscular soreness. So, you know, so I'd still have a bit of fatigue, but I wouldn't have that soreness after them. And that's what I found when I did the 5K race. And definitely what I found after the marathon was that, yes, I'm not saying my legs aren't sore. Um, they're tight, um, but they're nowhere near as sore as what I would have expected them to be. And when I compare it to, say, the Christchurch Marathon, um, nowhere near as sore as they were after that when, you know, you've got that real pain walking down stairs and yep. complete quad mock. Your calves are tight as hell and, and really sore. Certainly haven't got that. My quads are a bit sore, a bit of tight, quite a bit of tightness through my hip flexors, but I don't have that, you know, can't walk sort of feeling. And, and I'd have to attribute that to the extreme endurance. So, um, yeah, so if, if you are looking at you know, um, doing some, some high-level lactic hard training, um, I think it can be something that can, can then really help your recovery, which in turn means that you can end up getting back to training a bit quicker and, uh, and just basically keep your consistency held together. So if you want to get some, go through our site, go extremeendurance.com, no, no, xendurance.com. Oh, yeah, um, I told you to get it wrong. <laughs> That's right, yeah. and use the code I am talk and um, help improve your recovery. Yep. So if you're looking to get a little bit better recovery, so you can train better the next day, it's the way to go. Okay, John, cool. we've got an interview. <laughs> interview. Yeah, we've got an interview with Helene Bedevart. So I do a quick intro for her um, in there. But basically, as I said previously, uh, finished ninth place in Kona, um, outstanding performance, and she's backing up racing Arizona in a couple of weeks' time. And she's a former champion there. So here she comes. Okay. Righty-ho, on today's show, we've got uh, one of the recent top 10 finishers at the Hawaii Ironman, uh, Helene Bedevart. I'm going to have to check my pronunciation in a moment. And um, so welcome along to the show, Helene. Thank you. Did I get... Your pronunciation is uh, quite good. It's Helene Bedevart. Bedevart. Righty-ho. And, uh, and you're from Holland. I mean, um, you obviously base yourself um, out of Holland, and, and, uh, but you seem to do a fair amount of racing in the States. Are you, are you always in, I mean, where are your main training bases? Is it at home? Um, oh, well, I'm, yeah, home, but I go a lot on training camps, and it depends where I go. Uh, I go a lot to Lanzarote, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Island. Um, sometimes I go in wintertime to uh, South Africa, because then it's summer there, so it's good training over there. Mm-hmm. And this year I went two times on altitude camp in the southern part of Spain. Oh, very nice. And maybe just tell us a bit about your background because, um, you know, it, it, you're obviously a strong biker and a strong runner. Um, your swimming is obviously um, you're the weakest of your disciplines. Where, where's your background come from? Athletics, cycling, water polo, um, hockey? Well, I don't, do not really have a background. Um, when I was young, when I was in high school, I did all kinds of sport, but not really competitive. I uh, 
did some play some tennis. I cycled some for my own. Uh, I did play volleyball. I did some speed skating. All, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I went to the university, and um, there I started to do a triathlon, and that was at the age of twenty. So that's why my swimming is not very good because I at that time I had to learn the crawl, mm-hmm. and yeah, when you are older, it's very hard to get the technique. So yeah. for me, it's hard to swim. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, for um, biking, yeah. When I was young, I cycled every day, uh, 26 uh, kilometer to school. So yeah, I think there is my background for uh, the bike Sorry. and. Uh, running, I learned uh, the last uh, yeah, 10 years uh, by myself, and I came better and better in it. Very good. So, tell us about your day in Kona. Um, you know, it's looked like a fantastic race. I mean, uh, ninth place is, is awesome. So, maybe just um, talk us through your day and, and the highs and lows and, and how you found it versus, you know, other days you've had in Kona. Mm-hmm. Well, and, yeah, I went to Kona two weeks before the race. And uh, before that, I went on altitude camp in uh, Spain, and well, that worked very well for me. When I came in uh, Kona, I felt already very good. So the two weeks, uh, yeah, before the race, I felt that I could have a good race. Um, in the day itself, um, yeah, the swim, yeah, it's the hardest part. And um, we start swimming, and we had a group of five girls, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first. Part I um, was in in front and uh, then somebody else uh, took the front over and yeah the pace was not very hard and I, I found it yeah um, a little bit too slow but I didn't have the power to go by myself faster so I decided just to stay and save the energy for the bike and the run because in 2008 I um, had a very good swim for myself but then on the bike. I, I had no energy left, so I thought, well, those few minutes which I will, uh, yeah, leave behind in in the swim, I will get them back on the bike and in the run. Yeah. And I started to run, and from the beginning, my my legs felt very good. So, well, it was yeah, it went very, very well. And yeah. I thought the second half of the bike tried to um, to speed up a little bit, and yeah. I, for my feeling, I, I could do that. So I came from the bu- came off the bike, and I still felt felt good. Of course, the, few, few, uh, the first few miles are always hard when you uh, are in Kona and uh, you have to run because your back is feeling like uh, yeah. <laughs> you can get straight up. <laughs> yeah. But um, well, the the run was good too. But because I. I catched up uh, five girls, I think, in the first part on a lead drive, and then I was in 12th spot. Yeah. And at that point, I thought, well, this is my chance to finish top 10, and yeah. I will do everything <laughs> for it to yeah. try to finish in top 10, because if I don't do it, I will never yeah, forgive myself for that. Yeah. So in the, in, in the energy lab, when you have a turnaround point, uh, I saw... Yeah, some girls in front of me, which I thought, oh, I can catch, catch, catch them. But I saw also three girls behind me who were running very fast or so. So mm-hmm. it was just, just keep going, going, going. And, well, it ended up in a nice place, so I'm very happy. 
And, um, what, I mean, obviously you've also got um, Yvonne Van Vlerken from Holland, and, and so two of you in the top ten there. I mean, um, does that go, give you guys much exposure in, in Holland? Obviously in the triathlon media, I'm sure it does, but what about the mainstream media? Do you get any coverage at all? No, in, in, in Holland, triathlon is, is a very, very small sport, and in the media, it's you, yeah, of course, we got some newspapers where there was a small article in that we both finished top 10, but that's all. And yeah, yeah there's not, not much media yeah. for it. And, and that's a yeah, thing. And, and maybe just talk through for you know obviously for for you in the swim you're you're a long way down I mean you're you're nearly twenty minutes down on well you are twenty minutes down on say the very first girls who come out of the water how do you sort of cope with that mentally I'm sure there's a lot of age groupers who are in similar positions where they may be a long way down in the swim who are who who don't have that swimming background how how mentally you know how do you cope with that knowing that you're you're so far behind um, early in the race. For me, it's yeah mentally, it gives me a, a push <laughs> because I know that my race will start when when I start the bike part, and I always know that I will catch some girls yeah yeah very soon during the bike, and yeah my bike and my running are both yeah strong I think, yeah. and so mentally I think it's better to be a bad swimmer than to be a bad runner because you yeah. know. If you're a bad runner, then you know that in the end, yeah, some girls will catch you up after. And I know that I will catch some girls, so mentally it's not hard. Yeah, um, and have, have you had like to have you have you really given swimming a really good hard go at any periods? Like, um, has it been periods in your career where you've gone right? I'm going to swim ten times a week, or have you sort of kept it at you know the typical you know four or five or six times a week, or have you just not been able to to crack it with your swimming? I have in 2007 and eight. I started to swim more. And I, yeah, I really try to get something more out of it, but it didn't work. It it cost a lot of energy for me, and yeah. I decided to do stay just swimming four or five times a week and put the energy in the biking and the running because it's easier to for me to uh, make more progress in the bike and running than to get it in the swim. And, and on race day, I mean, obviously one of the big pieces of news was when Chrissy Wellington wasn't going to race. Did you guys hear about that before the race, and, and did that affect you in any way, or you just carried on with business as usual? Um, we, we heard it just before the start, because yeah, when we, we were in the water, they announced it. And uh, for me, it did not not really make a difference. Of course, you know that she will finish before you. <laughs> That that's it's 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 one place, okay. But yeah. it did not really affect my race. It was only that it's really a pity for herself because she worked for it all year long, and yeah, that you get sick just the day before a race. It's yeah, just yeah, it's not 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 nice. Yeah, and we've we've heard you going back to the states um, shortly uh, to go to Arizona. Have you doubled up doing two races back to back like this before? Yeah, I did it in uh, 2008, mm-hmm. and uh, I had, at that time I had a bad race in Kona, and I just I wanted to do another race because I felt that I was just in good shape, mm-hmm. and at that time I won Arizona, so <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was nice, but um, so I decided 
to do, yeah, I did again. Um, it's our six uh, six uh, weeks. Of course, I now now I had a good race in Kona, mm -hmm. but uh, I had those six weeks. It's just um, yeah, I recover uh, good and do just a little bit of training, of course, but uh, try to get in shape and uh, do it on the basis you have from Kona. And and the reason for doing that is it you want to race again? Is it the prize money, or is it because of the new points system? You're trying to get some points. Uh, of course, it's also to get some uh, some points because um, yeah, you want to yeah, you have to get those points uh, to uh, qualify for Kona again. And uh, if you have already some this year, then you don't have to do it uh, next year. Yeah, nice. Um, and, and what are your sort of plans for the next couple of years? Because I, I, I read on your website, you know, you, you've had a good in, a career in engineering and, and that seems like a real passion for you. Do you plan on sticking with this and, and trying to move up the rankings or what are your plans over the next couple of years? I still, uh, yeah, uh, want, want to qualify, of course, for Kona. So that's the main goal and uh, do, um, and uh, yeah, stay uh, as a professional the next two years. So um, yeah, I want to get everything out of my career, and uh, yeah, I would like yeah. We will see where it will end up to. <laughs> and tell us a bit about um, Extreme Endurance. You've been using using that product for a little while, and and Sandy tells us it's been been working very well for us. So tell us about the the testing you've done, and and how you know what what sort of a difference that's made for you. Well, I started uh, using Extreme Endurance uh, at the end of two thousand. Eight, and the first race I did was um, uh, East London, seventy point three in South Africa, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I, I think I used it then by four or five weeks or something, and uh, in that race I yeah, really found the diff difference it's, it gives you. Um, it's um, after the race I didn't have sore muscles, so that was like whoa. And uh, I think two days already after the race, I start training again and uh, doing very well. And uh, I did uh, after that, I did some testing as well, and I saw that my power on the bike uh, really uh, was higher than before. So um, yeah, it's it 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 gives you m less uh, muscle pain, so uh, you can train harder and you recover faster, so you can start training again, yeah, earlier. So. I think that's the big difference in advantages it gives you. Yeah, I see. Um, uh, Yvonne Van Vleuken was saying she actually uses it in races as well. Is that what you've done, or you just use it in training? No, I, I use it uh, every day. In the morning, I take uh, two, three tablets, and uh, at night, I take three tablets as well. So six a day, yeah. and uh, that's all I do. Well, every day, all season long. So yeah. uh, don't uh, skip any day. Yeah, if you do it like that, then it works uh, very good. Yeah. And, um, okay, so post-Arizona, uh, any plans um, beyond that, or is that that's going to be the, the end of your season? That's going to be the end of my season. December will be my uh, rest month, and uh, then I will start uh, training again in January. And um, I have to make my planning uh, for next year. I don't know, not really know yet what, what I am going to do, but uh, definitely uh, some Ironman.
Very good. Excellent. Oh, we look forward to following your career a bit more closely. We always like to find out a bit more about the European athletes. We tend to just hear about mostly the American athletes and the, and the, the, the news. So it's, it's great to hear some of the European athletes. And um, all the very best for your season, next, next season in, in Arizona in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you. Cool. Awesome. Well, that, that'll be up on um, next week's show, as I said. And, um, yeah, thanks very much for your time and good luck for Arizona. We'll be uh, hoping you can get another title. Yeah, it would be nice, but, well, Chris is starting as well. So. Oh, is she? Yes, she oh, is. I didn't know that. Anybody else? Um, any other good girls starting? Uh, yeah, a lot. Uh, it's almost a small, I think. Really? Uh, I think that uh, Rachel Joyce will start. Yeah, yeah. Um, Snow, uh, Samantha McGlone, um, uh, Lindsay Corbin, so oh. the cave. So it's, it's ah, they all want to get those points early. Mm-hmm. Ah, very good. Oh, good luck with that. We look forward to following it. Thanks. Okay. See you later. Bye. Sponsor. Athlinks.com. <laughs> I just chucked that one on. You didn't know. Athlinks. No, you okay, did. Right, Johnson, you're going to have to do the talking today. Athlinks.com. Oh. Social networking for endurance athletes. Amazing stuff. It is. And I'm just going to see whether they've got the marathon results up there yet. One of the cool things I like about Athlinks is, and, and, and one of the reasons I want to have a look at the Auckland marathon results, is you can go through and you can see you know, other members' um, results. You can pull them out. So, and, and you can also you know, extract it for your club. Um, and so you can just have your, say, club members. Like when you've got an Auckland marathon or a big marathon, you know, there's 20,000, 30,000 people racing sometimes. Yeah. To get those results out for your members is a real pain in the, in the butt. Um, so that's something I'd really encourage you to do is get your clubs involved and get them on there. Try to get as many people signed up as you can. And then, you, you know, you've got all your triathlon events, which you probably can fairly easily see the names and, and numbers. But when you've got these mass events, very difficult to do. And it's just something you can add to your, your newsletters or your, um, you know, if you've got a club blog page, really easy just to put in there and go, well, these guys all did um, the Chicago Marathon or the Paris Marathon or the London Marathon. And it just adds a bit of value and it's just a, it's a free service. So, so yeah. get on it. And uh, while you're on there, they've still got the T-shirts, 18 bucks. Free shipping. Get yours now and look, Georgia Armani. <laughs> look like Georgia Armani. You have no brainer. Yeah. Eighteen bucks for a t-shirt. It's in John and I's eighteen dollar t-shirt policy on my twenty-five dollar right. t-shirt policy. And hey, it's actually under, so you have seven dollars to spend money on other things. So it's a win-win. And, John. and if that's right, and if your club's not up there, get it on there because there's nine hundred eighty-five clubs up there, and that I'm sure they'd love to get over the thousand club marks. So uh, get on to athlinks.com. Keep your calendar updated. Get all your club members on there and your, get your T-shirt. Beautiful. Athlinks.com. Okay, questions and answers. Okay, we've got a few. I've actually chucked a couple of weeks in at the end here, John, but um, we've got an email through from Mark Vega. And a while ago we had um, tryzoom.com, and it was a website where there was kind of a concept at that stage where they used timing chips to create a replication of the race and you could watch where you were within the field through this graphic. And it was kind of cool. Well, they've, they've kept on working at it. And one thing they've done on the latest one is they've done the results. They've done the Ironman World Champs. So you can, if you race Kona, you go to tryzoom.com. You put your... Zoom try. Oh, Zoom try, sorry. Um, Zoomtry.com. You put your bib number in and it shows you racing through the field with the rest of the field. It's pretty cool, eh? 
it, it may be a little bit depressing, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, when you consider how fast it is, I was thinking with my marathon, like 238, great, but that's only um, yeah, three, three minutes, minutes faster than Pete Jacobs did, and uh, and I was full noise, and he'd done 180k riding, and it was it's a hell of a lot harder over there. So yeah, it's just a, it's just a cool little thing if you've got um, a bit of spare time on your hands, just uh, check it out. Go to zoomtry.com. Especially if you're race cone, I think if you're race cone, you would definitely like it more because you can mm. kind of see exactly where you were in comparison to you know the rest of the field. So. It's just a really great little tour. Hopefully, they keep innovating. They obviously want to take it to you know many races, so we just to see where that product goes on. So check it out. It's uh, try try dot com. I'll put a link to that on www.imtalk.me. Oops, I accidentally pushed something I shouldn't have pushed. Okay, um, Dave Latourette, uh was just saying he watched all of Kona, and he found it interesting that Mecca didn't have a bib on all day, and he's wondering if Mecca <laughs> even put the bib on. Who knows? But I guess, you know, the, 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 I suppose, you know, technically you give people penalties for that, but if your bib falls off, I mean, and, and granted he may not have it on all day, um, but if your bib falls off, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> is there a need for a bib nowadays? Not generally. Um, uh, it, it is kind of more got, of a, just a kind of tradition now, isn't it? Because with it is. technology. It's it's a backup as well. Um, but uh, not really necessary, but I, I'm having bib numbers for my race out in, in um, the Triathlon Festival, triathlonfestival.co.nz. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, so, but, but often it is not a necessity anymore if you've got a timing chip, especially for, say, a running race and things like that, when your timing chip's usually going to be pretty well secured. Um, but I guess it is a bit of a backup. One okay. thing that definitely does seem to be going out is, is the old body marking, and that seems to be less and less now as well. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Although I like body marking. It just makes you feel like a triathlon, yeah. doesn't it? Something, especially yeah, when they do the proper numbers where they like use the big pens and yeah, yeah, it's, it's just a good feeling about that. Um, Daddy Death yeah. sent through Pete Tinhold sent through uh, just a comment on uh, Lava Magazines now up. Uh, they've got their own website, and one thing he was commenting on was that it doesn't seem to be just WTC. They're talking about Red Three and Challenge when they're talking about that, so that's really great. Ah, mm. good. So put that on your list of you know, websites to check before the show each week, mate. Andrew Winters. Yeah. Oh, what's that? Um, I was. I would have got. I'd be getting a subscription if I'd that allowed me to get my Ironman access program. Um, a thousand <laughs> bucks. So I would have got a free subscription. They cancelled it on you, mate. Uh, yeah. Andrew, Andrew Winter was just wondering. He's sick of racing in boring old Lycra and two two times you tri gear. Um, all the pros look good when they're racing because they have their own logo covered branded gear. Can you get copies of? You can get copies of cycling gear all over the show, but you can't find any tri gear. Do anyone know? anyone out there know where we can get some pro try gear so yeah it's, it's an interesting point isn't it yeah I, I don't know I'd imagine often there's um, custom made stuff so there's lots of places you can get your own custom made um, gear done uh, but whether you can actually get pro gear I don't know but if a listener knows let us know okay a couple more um, uh, Cool Hand Chance Barber sent through a couple really good running articles did you read those? No, not yet, no. Oh, well, I'll put, the, I'll put them on uh, the show notes on www.imtalk.me uh, this week. Just some interesting scientific from Harvard University based around nutrition some other stuff as well, so uh, check that out. And then lastly, we had uh, Sean Burke on a show a few weeks ago, and he talked about getting self-hypnosis just to give himself some rest in the afternoon, and we had quite a few, or meditation tapes basically, um, and we had quite a few emails from, from people asking where the links were those two. 
Uh, and luckily, Sean responded, and he sent me through those links, and I'll put them again on www.imtalk.me later on today when I do the show notes. So check out this uh, website, and uh, we'll have those. He's got three or four he uses, um, those links, so you can, if you want to try some meditation out, you can chuck them on then yourself. So, nice. And one other thing, we've got a link from Emmy Hume. Oh, that's just a video. I'll put that on the uh, show notes as well. It's a link for the... Uh the little sort of access cartoon program. comedy yeah. about the I'm an access program. Pretty entertaining. Got a few um, bit of foul language in there, which is always makes it even better. <laughs> sponsors to finish up. Who are our sponsors? Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Coffees of Hawaii. Get your free bag. And extreme endurance. And get rid of your sore legs. Love your work. Okay, John, well, uh, anything else we need to mention before we do the wrap-up? No, I'm uh, I'm out of here. I'm going on holiday this week, and so next week's show will just be maybe a bit of an interview and or interview or two. And other than that, I need to look for a new challenge to do something else. And Bevan, what about you? Really? That's, that's, that's what you've been up to. Supposed to do the marathon? No, I just, yeah, I did the marathon. Oh, what question I have is. Was it like as much as, you know, you went up there to the box, in a way, because it was just, you know, you fly up, you do the race for home, was, did that make it a bit of a non-event? Uh, no, I've stayed with a mate and that was a lot of fun. Uh, okay. He's always good value. So, um, yeah, it was not that much fun coming back from the race fairly promptly, having a shower and then going getting on the plane and then coming home to kitties who hadn't been behaving particularly well while I was, while I was away. <laughs> so it would have been nice to have that extra extra time there. But really, I mean, after a race like an Ironman or, or a marathon or anything like that, I'm so smoked. I'm not really that interested in sitting around socialising and stuff. I just want to go go home and, and lie down and uh, and just basically pass out. So, um, no, it, didn't, it wouldn't say that took anything away from the event. For a race like that, there is no vibe building up to especially when it's in a big city. Yeah. You know, you basically go get your registration pack and, you, and the vibe is on race morning and it's got a, a good vibe in that sort of finish area where there's the expo going on but it's not like going to an Ironman in a small town um, and they've got that whole big long week week long build up um, yeah, so area. yeah and, but that's one thing I'd say about you know the, if you do ever consider going and doing a big city Ironman race or, or challenge race or whatever you are probably going to lose that bit of atmosphere you would get at say like a, a Taupo or a Wanaka or a, a Rote um, if you go to the big cities they, they seem to, to struggle to, to really captivate everybody because it's the, life is just going on as normal yeah it's a really good point I've never, I've never really done a big city like Ironman but yeah it would be interesting no. like doing it like a Frankfurt hey I imagine it's you know, mm. yeah, I'm sure on the day it would be amazing, but yeah, I, probably it's a catch 22 is on the day, it's probably a little bit more mm. of a better experience because you're, the whole atmosphere for the whole race, whereas maybe leading up to the race, it's not so much as a good experience. Right. Interesting. Um, okay, well, John, what am I up to? I'm up in Auckland, I'm doing my body attack filming, which is going really, really well, which is kind of cool. Um, and then this weekend, we've got because it's a little bit week late, but we've got a We've got a dress-up party based on, like, spooky things, John. So what do you think I should get dressed up as? Um, Spider-Man. Spider-Man? Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's just first thing that came to mind. Thomas loves his Spider-Man. Does he? That's his favourite yeah. superhero, so, is it? Yeah, yeah. We didn't have any people coming around for trick-or-treating the other night. We thought, oh, we better go get something, and then we forgot, and then nobody turned up. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It still hasn't really kept on in New Zealand, eh? Like, it's, you get the odd kid kind of who are capitalising on it, but really. Yeah. Like, you see the kids in America, and it's like every kid's out there doing it, and yeah, New Zealand. Yeah. It's, it's kind of an afterthought, isn't it? 
It is, yeah. So, yeah. How's your foot, Kevin? How's your foot? You haven't given people a foot update with your your. Uh, uh, you know what, John? It is better. My calf's actually heaps better. My foot's. I'm calf. actually. Well, calf's been a problem. Foot's been a problem. But I seem to be on the verge of being totally injury free. So, once I get back from this trip, I might sit down and set some new goals and look for some, some physical challenges. It's very frustrating. I've been injured pretty much for three months now, so it's been kind of a frustrating period. But such is life as an athlete. You got to you know take the roll with the punches and keep on trucking. So. But other than that, John, that's pretty much me, really. I'm a bit boring, really, because all I'm doing is working all day. So, that's how it So, next week's show is an interview special. Okay, and it's going to be Aline Bedevart, and I'm also interviewing um, another age grouper today, another one of our in our sort of series of age groupers, and that'll no, be up not next be week. Aline Bedevart. It will be um, Keegan oh, it'll Williams. Oh, it'll be Keegan Williams. Yep. Yep, Keegan Williams. And uh, so, we have some more age groupers up for you guys, and that's about it. Iron rusts. <laughs> sorry, did you want to say something? I was sorry, Bevan, no, I was going to no, cut you no, off. No, 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 I just love the way you're over it. Iron rusts. I mean, don't. <laughs> Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia ka. Kia ka. Right here, beautiful.